Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with With daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you lost a survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how. You played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. Welcome to this week's edition of Why Blank Lost. I'm David Bloomberg, and while we don't have a guest and we're not on video again, I am especially happy to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Jessica Lewis, as we talk about losing a member of the Rob Has a Podcast family on this week's show. I am especially happy to be here. Thank you so much for that introduction. Yes, this is um, not on video, but thank you to everyone who enjoyed us doing our video podcast. It was quite different and fun, and lots of props were involved. So unfortunately, no props this week. But we do have a wonderful podcast to bring to you, just with no video, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I am wearing my version of a veil again this week. Um, you just can't see it. Uh, and since we're not on video, I'm pretty much just wearing that in the bathrobe. Uh, so <laughs> you know, it, it, it's possible that I've just revealed the real reason I was hesitant to do video because I had to get dressed to do the podcast. That's amazing. <laughs> It's absolutely incredible. So now everyone will envision you for the rest That's of right. this podcast in your bathrobe with a veil over your face. Yes. Nice. Yes. And nice. no, there will not be a selfie of that. Ah, damn it. I just hope that it's like a swanky bathrobe. That's very stylish. Swanky. Yeah. Uh, well, sure. We'll go with that. Okay. All right, I like it's it. Warm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on from that. Uh, you were unfortunately right in your prediction, and whoa! Well, I wait, was... stop. What? Unfortunately, right. I'm sad that Tyson went, but I was right. Yeah, that's un- Can we just well, be un- right? But that's the unfortunate part because okay. I mean, I, I was basically right because I knew that oh, would happen, stop. but I refused to follow the fourth rule and I let my emotions control me, so I would not predict that Tyson would be voted out, and therefore I blame you for this result. Now, listen, I looked at what was happening, I strategized, and I took all of the things into consideration, and while emotion might have come into it, I still made the right choice, didn't I? Yeah, you did. So, you know, one of those things, you just gotta, just, just let me appreciate this moment, because I'm never right at these things. So, I will just bask in the glory for this one week, and sorry, Tyson, but this is the one week I was right. Well, unfortunately, yeah, we're not on video, so we can't see you basking. Uh, mm, but, that's uh, true. Yeah. Oh, you know, damn like, it. We should have been on video. I could have had a crown. To really, like, build no, us up a lot. I mean, come on. That's a little bit much. Well, all right. But I was right. So I'm just going to yeah, say right. that. You I was right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't worry. I'll be wrong and this yeah. week. Yay. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, Tyson is a member of the RHAP family. But that won't stop us from treating him the same as anyone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll compare his game to rules I originally wrote way back after season one and have been modifying ever since. Looking at all the non-spoiler information available to us from what we saw on TV, CBS All Access clips and social media. Uh, As always, the latest version of the rules is available at robhasawebsite.com slash blog slash survivor rules. Or 
Uh, also, as always, you can get the shorter and much more colorful version of the rules in poster form at tinyurl.com slash davidrulesposter2. And I'll, one more week, I'll remind people about the two at the end because eBay messed with us and we had to change the link. So again, that's tinyurl.com slash davidrulesposter2. Yes, and they look wonderful in a frame. They're only $20. If you are outside of the United States and are interested in a poster, please DM me, as many people do, in Twitter, and I can make arrangements to get those to you. Shipping will be a little more expensive, but I'll hash out all the details with you, and we can get you your poster. So it's only $20. Looks great. Wonderful print job. And the artistry is just amazing. It's so incredible. And I mentioned last week that Rob, Boston Rob is on the poster. Kim Spradlin's on the poster. So a lot of the people that you're seeing play this uh, season. I believe, I believe Parvati is on there too. Parvati is, yes, Parvati's on the poster. So a lot of people that you see playing are on the poster. So it's a great time to buy it, have it. You can look at the poster while you're watching the show and learn all the rules and get on Survivor and be the best player ever. See, it's That's all, right. it's all beneficial. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, now, obviously we're here to talk about Tyson, but before we get there, I want to bring up one thing. And that's Sele's, uh performance in the challenge, and specifically Adams. Now, in a, in a secret scene, Sele had guessed from Tremail that the challenge would involve jumping for a key. Uh, in fact, I mm-hmm. think Adam was the one who said that. Mm-hmm. So why didn't they have better and taller jumpers? I mean, Adam was the one who we kept seeing as he missed, but it was the tribe's fault overall for putting him and Parvati in that role. and. I mean, she was terrible. You know, they, I think mm. they, she just gave up after a while or mm-hmm. else they at least stopped showing her. You know, it's a good thing that Adam finally did get the key or I, I feel like Jeff would have made him keep jumping even after the other tribe finished, uh, you know, just like Jeff did with Sari in that balance beam. Yeah. Well, and I have to say this. I do agree that they probably should have thought differently about where they were placing people. I think they did want to have strong swimmers pulling the boat, which makes sense. But at the same time, I will say that in my season, we did a very similar jumping for the key kind of challenge thing. And it was when we were first being shown, like, this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to jump and then, you know, grab the key. And you looked at it and you were like, oh, yeah, that's not too bad. I think I can make that like that's not a far leap. But what they didn't tell us was right before the challenge was starting, they like released a lever and all of the keys fell out that much further. <laughs> it, was like, oh, cute. it was like all of a sudden what you thought was going to be kind of a closer jump turned out to be a much farther jump. And it, it I don't think that that happened here because they were coming out on that board. This looked very scary and dangerous as far as I was concerned, because if they slipped on that board, Oh, that could have been really, really ugly, really ugly. But yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know why the decision was made to do it that way. I don't know if there was something they missed about what the challenge was going to actually be in regards to that, or they thought that it was closer than it really was. But yeah, you're talking about having wet feet on a board and you could slip. There's so many. That was that was scary. That was scary. Yeah. And that's what I had seen about it also is just how hard it is to jump. But these are people who have all played before. Mm-hmm. you know, And like you said, Adam who was on your season, obviously, uh, you know, he had done that challenge be- or a, you know, a, a challenge similar yes. before. So uh, yeah, I think that they overthought the swimming aspect and, you know, if you get someone who's a little slower swimming, okay, you fall slightly behind. Mm-hmm. If you get someone who goes all the way up, jumps for a key and misses it and then has to go all the way back up again, sure. you have fallen way further behind than a slightly worse swimmer. Oh, for sure. And it's definitely scary when you're up there and you're looking at that key dangling and you know that you have to jump to get it because you're already, I mean, at least for me, we had to swim first to get up to get the key and then swim to get to the next part. So there's a lot of, a lot of energy being expended just getting to the key. So Adam just looked so spent. I feel for that kid because that, oh my word, how many times he had to do that. He looked done when he was in the boat and they were just dragging him back over. (laughs) He was so tired, but he he did it. He was very successful eventually. So yeah, Yeah. kudos to him for keep trying. Well, he didn't give up. You know, he kept going. Right, right. So so that was the only thing I had. I don't know if you have anything before we uh, get to Tyson himself. What about the, I mean, the comeback is ridiculous. 
well, yeah, the comeback was ridiculous. And we'll, we'll talk about that more later. Um, but, uh, one thing I'm not even going to bother to talk about, I'll just say it. So people are like, I can't believe he didn't talk about was edge of extinction. I, I you know, don't even, I, I don't even want to get started. People can check my Twitter to see what I thought about that. So, uh, I am quite happy skipping past that. Okay. So, all right. So then moving to Tyson, uh, he was on the bottom of his tribe from the get go, but it looked on TV like he was making progress and digging his way out of that hole. With essentially a unanimous vote against him, that clearly didn't happen. Mm. So what went wrong? What could he have done differently? Let's figure out why Tyson lost. Uh, the first and most important rule, of course, rule one, uh, talks about the need to scheme and plot. And Jeff Probst said in his weekly summary video that it should be in a rule book that whenever you're in trouble, create chaos like Rob did on the other tribe by making up the story about Adam. Mm. Close, Jeff, but not quite. Uh, I mean, it it is in a rule book, a rule book, hmm, wonder who's, to <laughs> scheme and plot, which is, in fact, what Rob did. It's It's not that he was creating chaos. He was creating a situation where he could advance at the expense of another player. And, you know, while all of this was going on on the other tribe, it highlights why this is the first rule, because it might have worked for Rob if they had lost the challenge. But, you know, since we're talking about Tyson, and he also knew the importance of this rule, and he had to use it earlier in the game, because when he realized that he had become a potential first boot target due to the supposed poker alliance, he switched his strategy from trying to dictate the direction of the game to pure survival mode which was smart. And he immediately swore loyalty to the U Alliance and threw others under the bus. As he said, he had to quote forfeit this battle to hopefully win the war. Mm-hmm. No, I think that sums it up nicely. I do think that Tyson realized early on that he did need to approach the game differently than he really wanted to. Tyson was, I think, very excited to play, wanting to play and pointed out the fact that everyone was very hesitant to actually throw out a name and start really making things happen. But he wanted to start dictating what was happening with his game. And unfortunately, by doing so, he put himself right back to the same place we saw him early on when he was in that same position where people wanted to vote him out. He would have been much better to maintain that Tyson, let the game play out around him instead of trying to dictate what was happening because he thought he was, but he was dictating what he wanted to have happen to the people who were aligned with Nick. And he knew they were aligned with Nick because he had become part of that group to pull off that first vote to not get himself voted out. So it's it's a very odd mix that he didn't see that that would be the response to him throwing out Nick's name and talking to Yule about it. So I, I'm not sure if, if he wasn't as aware of that group as we all are, but I think he had to be knowing that that group was together from the beginning. Yeah, no, he wasn't. He specifically said there was a quote where he said where he talked about all these one time players um, are, you know, it looks like they're trying to get the rest of us out. And I can't remember exactly what he said. It's a good thing they're not organized or I don't think they're together yet. Mm. Something like that. He really did not know. And all of the feedback he was getting when he talked to Yule, when he talked to Tony, when he talked to Sarah. You know, he was getting feedback that was, uh, yeah, okay, we'll go along with you. Mm -hmm. uh, you're right. Nick's being lazy and you're right. Nick shouldn't be here or, for whatever reason. So I, I do think that he had to basically come up with a strategy that would keep him around because he knew he was on the bottom, even though he, you know, swore loyalty to Yule. I, I still think he knew he was on the bottom. And so it was smart of him to use some sort of strategy, you know, trying to get Tony on board was saving him because two of them plus others were all big targets who should stick together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it was a good play. And in one of our two preview podcasts, I talked about how on the original edge of extinction season, several of the biggest threats discussed that, you know, they shouldn't turn on each other because they would all end up getting booted in succession. Yes. And that was this, you know, that was the same sort of conversation he was having. And of course, on that season, they didn't follow their own advice and the prediction came true. But this was a little bit different for a few reasons. So I'm not as 
I'm not going to be as hard on Tony and company as I was on those folks, because in this case, you know, while it, it looked like Tony agreed with the idea of saving Tyson, there are a few things at play here. Well, uh, go ahead. I just want to jump in real quick because I don't okay. disagree with the, with Tyson trying to take this approach and make something happen, but I disagree with his going to someone like Yule to try to pull it off. If your thought process is all of these one-time players are going to, you know, thank God they haven't formed a bond and come together to try to take us out, then you don't go to those one-time players to try to pull a move like this off. He would have had the numbers if he had just stuck with Sandra and Tyson and Sarah and um, who was their other, and Kim, because Kim is part of that, you know, poker mm-hmm. alliance and, and Tyson, that gives them five. But he went beyond the five and he had Sarah and Tyson pretty convinced that this is what they needed to do. But I think by then bringing in that other faction, if you will, was where he went too far in his scheming and plotting, thinking he had everybody in when he didn't need to get everybody in. Yeah, I I think he had to go to Yule because Yule was who he had sworn loyalty to for, before the first vote. Mm. So Yule was kind of his savior there. and. As far as the having the others, well, I'm not sure he did because Rob mentioned in the recap podcast with T-Bird that his beard growth didn't seem to line up like uh, Tony's beard growth. I think uh, didn't seem to line up in the and the scenes may not have been shown in exactly the order in which they happened. Ah, damn it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, it, Listen to what Rob had to say. He also, Rob said he was going to put something on Instagram about this too, but I don't get Instagram. I don't have Instagram. So, uh, but, um, you know, also, uh, someone posted on Twitter about Tony trying to save Tyson and Nick replied with just one word editing. So I don't think he ever had those people. I think he may have raised that possibility at some point in the game, maybe an earlier point. And maybe uh, Tony thought it was a a good idea, but um, I I don't think things happened like we saw them happening. Um, Yeah. Now, the other thing is, the the other reason I'm not upset that at Tony and company for not doing this is there are a lot of targets on both tribes. Mm -hmm. So one one individual has less of an impact. I mean, I know Tyson was saying, well, I'm your shield, so you should. You know, if you get rid of me, you guys are all going down next. No, because there's lots of shields. There. Right. And that is very true. I mean, it's I do think that it's a great selling point that Tyson was trying to make that we should all protect each other. And we kind of thought that this is what we were going to see happen, which is exactly right. what we're seeing. Harvardy and Boston Rob do. They're kind of protecting each other. So it's not a bad strategy at all. But. Someone like Tony and Sarah, I think, are in a different kind of boat, if you will, when it comes to they're they're not at, they're not old school big threats or big targets, if you will, because of being that old school player like Tyson is or like Boston Rob or like Parvati or Sandra. So I do think that they've got an ability to hang around a little bit longer if those other targets are still in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um there is a, a third reason that I'm not upset, but we'll have to wait until Appendix A till, uh, till, till we discuss that one. I have to keep listening. That's right. So I, I do want to also say on the know-it-alls, Rob wondered why Tyson didn't throw Kim under the bus like he had done with Amber. And my thought is that maybe he tried, but again, it comes back to Yule because Yule had already brought Kim under his wing as he discussed in his tweet about the first vote before the powers that be shut him up from doing those tweets anymore. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, he said, once a collective decision had been made to vote out Amber, Sophie and I reached out to Kim to let her know that we wanted to work with her and that she was safe. Kim was still nervous that she might be the actual target. So right after the vote, I wanted to reassure her and affirm that we wanted to work with her moving forward. So I, again, I, there was no way really for Tyson to throw Kim under the bus and no one to throw her under the bus too. Yeah. And I do think, and we'll, I'm sure get into this in a different rule, but that there were a lot of reasons as to why 
he makes more sense than Kim moving forward. And not just because of that relationship that you created with her. Right. Absolutely. So overall, you know, Tyson certainly knew what he was doing in this rule and he did what he could, but he was out schemed by Yule who apparently started in the pregame with both his research, you know, finding about the so-called poker Alliance and also making an alliance himself with at least Nick. And then he quickly pulled in others without alerting uh, people like Tyson that the alliance even existed. You know, Tyson, as we discussed, figured out the the one-time players, what they were doing, but he just had no idea how organized they were. And, you know, that played into this whole thing of he was strategizing, but he didn't even realize that he was running up against a wall in trying to strategize. Yeah, I do think that that was a huge, huge problem for him. I don't think anyone really saw Yule coming. So that's unanticipated, you know, by anyone who's playing against Yule. And I think also that a lot of what Tyson wanted to do was very reminiscent of what we saw Tyson do in Blood versus Water. And he just couldn't get his footing because he wasn't dealing with the same type of people like he was in that particular season. And so I think that he wasn't, and obviously we're probably, I'm shifting, I might be moving into another rule, but... Um, don't do that. I know. I Someone might point You'll it out. Get yelled at. I know I yeah. get yelled at. People tell me I should have more notes. <laughs> but anyway, I do. I appreciate the approach that, that Tyson was taking. And I think that he, he at least had an idea, but I don't know if he obviously didn't pull it off. But maybe he could have done something differently with how he went about trying to create that target on someone else but himself. But I do think his options were extremely limited for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, we can move into the second rule, which says not to scheme and plot too much, to keep your scheming secret, and not to backstab too soon. Now, one thing that Tyson obviously did in relation to this rule was naming Sandra as a potential target. Mm. He, you know, he clearly didn't think it would get back to her. But if there's one thing everyone knows about Sandra, it's that if she hears her name, she is coming for the person who said. Yeah, and again, this is that that idea that Tyson is trying to present to the individuals like Sandra, like Tony, like Sarah, where we should all band together and we should form this cohesive alliance because we'll protect each other, we'll be shields for each other. But then at the same time, I'm going to throw out Sandra's name because I think she should be targeted for anybody else. So it doesn't really jive. If you want to try to bring this group together, you've got to bring the group together and not be targeting one of your own. So it's unfortunate that he wanted to play the game quickly and maybe he thought, well, everyone else is going to agree with me that Sandra needs to go home. So by saying her name, they'll all just be in agreement because she is a huge threat. But too soon, dropping a name is, yeah, it's Sandra. And obviously Sandra does like revenge, which is what we saw happen. (laughs) And even though she likes $2 million, she apparently likes revenge more at this point anyway. So... Well, I don't know about that, but well, no, um, but that's what she said. She's like, I like revenge, but I like two million dollars more. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. yes. She's, so um, she took her revenge. So I don't know. We'll, well see but, if she gets a two million. Well, that well, okay. If I had to guess, I would say no, she doesn't. But um, <laughs> I, I don't think it was because of revenge. But uh, you know, we'll get to that when we talk about why Sandra lost. Uh, oh, but, well, spoiler. Um, spoiler. Yes. Um, <laughs> Now, the, the thing about what Tyson did, though, is I, I don't know what he could have done differently. He knew he was a target, so he needed to deflect that somewhere else. One thing I will say is that he should have waited until they actually lost the challenge and he was in trouble before naming names, mm-hmm. you know, which would have been better for a couple reasons. One, there would be less time for it to get back to Sandra, though I suspect it would have anyway, but he didn't know that. And two relationships and plans change over time. It's possible that Sandra might have gone along with this threat alliance plan or some other plan if she hadn't heard previously that Tyson was gunning for her. Exactly. I think you are right on both of those points. All right. (laughs) Yay me. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, yes, you're right. Those are, that's exactly correct. All right. Well, before we go on to the rest of the rules, let me take a quick break to tell you about that. This episode of Why Blank Lost is sponsored by Expedia. And you can head to robhasawebsite.com slash travel to take a look at the various links there to different Expedia brands and specials for people in both the U.S. and Canada. 
Uh, for example, I mentioned last time there's a link to hotels.com, which I use all the time. I'm a gold priority member. Ooh. Ooh. Um, you know, and uh, I especially use it for know it alls travel. Uh, you know, which actually reminds me, although I said last week, oh, I now have to remember to get a, a room in Atlanta. I didn't remember. So now doing this again reminds me, yes, I have to go to hotels.com and uh, get a room for Atlanta. Uh, it costs nothing extra for the user. Uh, and in fact, you know, you can get good deals and you can help support RHAP. Again, that's robhaswebsite.com slash travel. Uh, and now we're going to break for messages from our other sponsors, if there are any for your area. If not, we'll be back even quicker. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're back. So let's go on to the third rule, which talks about being flexible. In the first rule, we already talked about one instance where Tyson put his flexibility into action. He started the game expecting to align with Kim and Amber, but when he found out that uh, you know people were gunning for him, he dropped everything and everyone in order to try to gain favor with the majority, sacrificing Amber because he knew he couldn't save her. Now, obviously, that didn't work well enough, uh, but it could have if only Nick and Sarah could have put together a puzzle when they had a huge lead. And it, at least it kept him from being the first one voted out of his tribe. Absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. No, I do think that the Tyson's game was interesting because, yes, we saw flexibility very early on and he saw that he was in a very bad spot and reacted the way that any survivor in that moment should react. And that really is deflecting the attention to somebody else. He moved quicker than Kim and Amber did, even though Kim, we've got to give her props too. She was trying, but Tyson kind of pounced on that moment and said, okay, I don't want it to be me. So it needs to be somebody else. So I think he did really great in his flexibility early on. I think that he was trying to lock himself in later with that group that, you know, Sandra, Tony, uh, Sarah group, and could have potentially done better in infiltrating himself into Yule's group since he kind of swore himself, as you've mentioned, like swore his loyalty to Yule. So he kind of locked himself in then with Yule, but at the same time was trying to create this other group over here so it's kind of like this weird hodgepodge of being flexible, but then at the same time trying to keep yourself tight with particular individuals. And the whole stuff with Rob, even though he hadn't even gotten to Rob yet, everybody assumed he was going to just, he was going to align with Rob right away when they got together. So he's he's such a mixed bag. And I think that it's hard <laughs> to say that he he was good or bad at this particular rule, because I feel like he recognized it when he needed to do it. But he also wanted to be able to play the game the way that he wanted to be able to play the game, which then ended up affecting his flexibility, if that makes sense. I don't know if that actually makes sense, but in my mind, I can see it making sense. I don't know. Everyone's going to think I'm crazy, but it's he was definitely a mixed bag, in my opinion here. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to uh, do psychiatric exams <laughs> later to see if we can figure out what's going on in your mind there. So uh, in the meantime, uh, before those exams take place, we'll move to the fourth rule, which tells players not to let their emotions control them. I don't think Tyson had any problem here at all. Again, we just have to look at how he allowed Amber to be voted out because it was best for his game. Yeah, for sure. And if anything, Tyson is very good at. We've seen throughout all of the seasons he's played. He knows how to play other people's emotions very, very well and manages to keep his in check while he's doing so. 
And that is one thing that Tyson has always been very good at. He doesn't take things personally. I think he said that in multiple interviews that he's mm-hmm. provided. He doesn't take things personally. He's playing a game. But he loves to play up other people's emotions. So I, I think he's very well at keeping himself in check, but utilizing it to his benefit when it comes to other people. Yeah. And, you know, you can see that he doesn't take things personally by the fact that he gave his uh, token to Nick. Oh, and that so, was a boss move right there. I think that was a huge boss move. That, Nick's going to be so excited to my, next week. No, and that had nothing. That had nothing to do with him, like wanting to do any favors for Nick. That was just a pure boss move. Yeah, he's his hero. Yeah. Now you know anyone who has seen Tyson before knows, like you said, that he is willing to cut people you know, without worrying about emotional attachment and because he is actually specifically mentioned as an example in my rules uh, from his win in blood versus water, when Aris thought he was in a great place with his friends, Tyson and Jervis, but Tyson wasn't going to let friendship stand in the way of a win. So he blindsided Aris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if anything, Tyson had this one completely under control. Right. Uh, Speaking of having things completely under control, we have the fifth rule, which is about the social game and reminds players that they need to pretend to be nice. We saw a few glimpses of Tyson in camp, and he is pretty much always fun to be around. Uh, He just didn't have any problems in this area. Yeah, no, if there's one thing, again, I mean, Tyson is very good at keeping his emotions in check, but he's also great at bonding with people, figuring out how best to relate to people. And having conversations. I mean, this is this is what he does. He's very articulate and someone that clearly was a fun person to have around in camp. And I think that was probably why people thought he was a bit of a threat. <laughs> well, he's got lots of reasons. For I know, that, but, but that's yeah. one of them. I'm just saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately for him, making friends and being fun doesn't work against other people who are following the fourth rule just like he did. You know, he's not used to people who necessarily follow the fourth rule. He does it, but he's not used to people who do it and people who do it. Well, it doesn't matter if you're following the fifth rule, you're going to get cut. Yeah. I mean, and he has to be mindful of the fact that he's playing with people who have all played the game before and they all understand how important the social game is. And we've heard Sarah talk about it in multiple interviews that she's done in-game confessionals that she's having, she's enjoying her experience that they're actually, Mm -hmm. this is a playground for them and they're having fun because they're returning players. So they understand the game a little bit more. They know when they can relax, they know when they can have fun. So you can do all of those things, but still play the game. And they, they're all very aware of it. And they're very aware of the relationships that people are making and the effect that that person can have playing the game and moving forward with that person. She talks about how you learn to rely on those people because you feel good hanging out with those people and talking to those people. So they are very aware of it, but they're also, I think, taking that in stride because it's one of the many facets that's going to bring them further in the game. Is this relationship worth it or is it better that I cut ties and go over here? Right, right. So, all right. Uh, we can move on to the sixth rule, which warns against being too much of a threat. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Um, in the preseason, we thought we'd be talking about this rule almost every week. Uh, but because of the way the Sele tribe has been using their big threats as shields while they've been the ones going to tribal council, mm. it hasn't really happened until now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, however, we had a different situation and Tyson Lee certainly fell into this category for multiple reasons. He was a threat because of who he was. He was a threat because of the so-called poker alliance. He was a threat to flip at the swap or merge. He was a threat to Sandra for bringing up her name. He was a threat to Nick for bringing up his name. And he was a threat to Yule's overall control of the tribe. Yeah, all of those things. It's incredible to me to see how someone like Tyson was able to really develop threats across the board. And everything that you ticked off is spot on. And the fact that there was such a concern about the outside alliances coming into this game and how everybody is openly talking about them. I find incredibly fascinating still, but that really, it has become so much of a threat for people moving forward. 
that they're mentioning this idea of, well, if we get to a swap and he's back with Rob, then that's where he's going to gravitate towards. And we saw Sophie kind of hint at that in tribal council when she was talking about the facade that they're all putting on and the eight people who are going to maintain this facade moving forward, that they're going to be strong come a swap. Who's going to be the best at maintaining that? And I think that was really a a knock on Tyson because everybody was so convinced that once he gets with Rob, that's it. The rest of us are not going to matter. And they were probably right about that because those former relationships have become so significant in this game and have been the reason why people are creating alliances and are creating bonds that that probably would have happened. And so they were right in their assessment of we got to nip this in the bud before we get to a swap, before they have a chance to get together. So I do think that that was one part of his threat level that was highlighted a lot this season because it's been something we've heard so much about. Yeah. And, you know, also besides uh, who who you were talking about, Sophie, were you talking about Sophie or Sarah? I keep uh, thinking one and then the other. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, Wendell also said on the show, Tyson is one of the greats. Biggest threat on this beach because he's well connected on the other side. If we merge or swap, he can hook up with Rob or Parv. And Mm -hmm. anytime there's someone on the tribe who is at the bottom and knows it, they can be a danger in a swap or a merge. Absolutely. Like you were just saying, in a returning season where you know that person on the bottom also happens to have good relationships with players on the other tribe, that's even more dangerous. Yes. And I don't know if you mentioned it on your list, but he's considered a challenge beast as well. Mm -hmm. So that makes him a threat too. It is. I I don't think they're thinking about that just yet. We'll we'll get to that in a minute here with with Appendix A. I just it, it's a little bit early to be voting out challenge beasts for that reason. Right, but I'm just saying um, it's one more yeah. thing that he's got right, going one more for thing him. Piled on for top. sure because he's really yeah. across the board such a threat in so many ways, and it's it's amazing to see someone like Tyson who has been able to maneuver himself through this game previously with the same type of personality and this likability factor and being able to strategize the way that he does and to really, really dictate the game. I love that word because that's what he talks a lot about his previous win is really how he dictated how the game was going to be played. And he tried to do it here and obviously was unsuccessful, but it is really incredible to see a player like him so well-rounded because we don't see well-rounded players like him that often. Yeah, I mean, in our preseason podcast, I noted that Tyson seemed to be underestimating what people would think of him because he said in one pregame interview, I'm hoping other people see me as a more carefree, laid back, laissez faire goofball. And I think I play that role pretty well. I mean, I've got long hair. I kind of don't give a bleep. But at the same time, I'm hoping that that masks this brain that never stops thinking and how about how to play the game. And they said in another interview, I feel like I understand the game better than every player out there. And I don't think people realize that. I don't think they know that I'm as good as I am at this game. Now, I noted in our preseason podcast that anybody who has ever listened to him talk about the game was not going to be fooled by long hair. Mm -hmm. And I, I figured people would know how much he knows about the game and how good he is. And it looks like, yeah, you know, unfortunately for Tyson. I was right about that. He way underestimated his own threat level going in, it seems like. Yes, he absolutely did, for sure. So, all right. uh, The seventh rule covers idols and advantages. And, you know, yet again, we have a player who didn't have a chance to really get anything, which means I, again, don't have anything to say here. Do you? No, I really don't have anything to say. But I would. Can we talk about the the token again that he ended up giving to Nick? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I do think that it's really, it's a very Tyson thing to do to remind everybody that he was Nick's hero. And as Nick's hero, like he's doing this hero move where, all right, I'll give you my token. You voted me out, but I'll give you my token. It's almost like this one up kind of thing. Like, oh, you might have taken me out, but I'll give you this. So it's, it's this painful reminder for Nick, even though it's going to be good for Nick. I just appreciate it so much because he could have given that token to Rob. He could have given it to Parv. The whole table is there of these options. And he gives it to the guy who basically got him voted out in a roundabout yeah. way. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's a very boss move. Yes, exactly. 
All right, now we get uh, to the once again long-awaited Appendix A, which is about the rest of the tribe keeping their end goals in mind when voting and usually follows the path of voting out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. In a normal season, the tribe right now would generally be voting out the weak, which, of course, can mean physically weak or someone who caused divisions in the tribe that overall weaken the group dynamic. The physical situation certainly wasn't in play, as we were discussing. And in fact, this is what I was talking about. Yule had said on Twitter after DeKal's first vote that they felt they needed Tyson's strength for challenges at that point. But they all had to figure a swap was coming very soon, which means they didn't need that anymore since they couldn't guarantee he'd be on their tribe. Mm. Uh, as a matter of fact, if they you know swap into three tribes, there's a two-thirds chance he won't be on their tribe. But the, the second option for describing weakness by causing divisions was indeed an issue, uh, though not for the normal reasons. The divisions Tyson could have caused would come at the swap or merge, as we've mentioned. DeKal wanted a united front headed into the swap, and someone who could flip was a huge risk for them. Yeah, and I think you could even take that division factor a step further. And it's not even just about a swap and a and someone flipping after the swap, but also the divisions that were being created in their tribe at that moment. Because Tyson was the one that was trying to split them. He was the one that was trying to create this other group mm-hmm. that could go after Yule's group. And no one else was trying to formulate anything like that, at least from what we saw. He was the one, again, I don't know if the edit is actually accurate or fair about this, but he was the one that was really throwing out names. He was the one that was telling people we need to get together and we need to form this group. And then we need to focus on the people that have only played this game one time. So I think he was already starting to create those divisions, which only caused these people to be even more aware of the fact that if we swap, He's going to continue to do that, and he's going to have help doing that, because if he's with Rob, then he's going to really have more ability to pull this off. Right. And adding on to that, you know, um, there's a there's a secondary issue here. You you were talking about creating divisions. Well, in the first rule, I listed two reasons that Tyson's pitch to keep all the threats in the stick and, and said we get to a third reason here. So here it is, because. It wasn't in the best interest of those other threats to turn on their tribe mates just before the possible swap and create that division. Mm-hmm. It would have created enemies of Yule, Nick, Wendell and Sophie heading into a situation where they might need their loyalty. Mm-hmm. You know, if if Tony ends up on a five person tribe and, you know, Yule and Nick and Wendell are there. Well, great. They've got a majority unless Yule and Nick and Wendell are super pissed at him. Right. So. You know, if having one potential flipper was a risk, creating four made it almost certain that any swap would be problematic. For sure. Yeah. I think that they read the situation so well as far as the timing of the game and that possibility of a swap looming and all of the factors that come into play when people are swapping. And Tyson was one of those people that you don't want to be bringing into a swap because it's pretty certain that he's not going to be on your side if he ends up in a situation where somebody else is a majority. I think he's gravitating towards that new majority group. Right. Now, one question has come up about whether DeKal threw the challenge to get rid of Tyson. Um, I posted this on Twitter shortly after the episode while um, our Rob was unbeknownst to me also talking about it on know-it-alls. Um, Most of the players have remained tight-lipped on social media, from what I can tell, not answering at all. Um, And, uh, you know, Rob even continued to bring it up on uh, the the recap podcast with T-Bird, I think. But Nick did answer the question when someone asked him directly. Now, when I I asked about it, several people mentioned it to me, but couldn't find the tweet afterwards. It looks like it might have been scrubbed, like, uh, Nick, you're not supposed to say that. Mm. Um, even though he's saying, no, this didn't happen, which I would think would be fine. Uh, but, it, well, we couldn't find it. Uh, but I, I want to thank Toperluck on Twitter because he had a screenshot of it. And in it, uh, like I said, he was at Nick was asked, did you throw it? And Nick said, hell no, I just sucked. <laughs> and Officer Sarah didn't help much. We should have kept Sophie on the puzzle. 
Yeah. So it was a strange I, blowout, though. I mean, I want to believe him that they didn't throw it, uh, but it would be interesting if they did just, you know, to make that happen before the swap. But he's done the puzzle before. So this is not something that he's never seen because it's clearly a very strange puzzle. Mm -hmm. They were taking it apart when it was still making sense, too. So I don't really understand what was going on. It seemed very odd to me. It seemed very, very odd. I guess the question is, did it make sense? I mean, it seems like that puzzle is the same top and bottom, but the poles might not be the same top and, you know, they might be slightly different distances apart or something. Mm. And so if they had started it upside down and thought they were doing it right, then the only way to, you know, take care of it is to go back. It's a big star. Can it be upside down? It can if the holes are different. Mm, okay. You know, just, just ask Adam. It's hard to find that, that hole where you, you know, so. <laughs> I thought it was a hole. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm talking about his torch, of course. Of course. Uh, but the same is uh, for puzzles, you know. Uh, it's also possible that they just got so discombobulated that they thought it was wrong and they had to start over and it turned out that it could have gone either way. Well, and what I don't um, understand either in watching a lot of the puzzle making scenes that we see with every everything ends in a puzzle nowadays but Wendell really seems to be advising the puzzle makers where things go but he's not mm-hmm. being put in the position to be the puzzle maker seems strange again like let him get in there he's clearly telling you what to do and we've seen him do that on I think every single puzzle thus far did the puzzle makers have to be different than the ones who were pulling the raft um let's see Probably. I'm trying to remember who so, was pulling the raft. So they, yeah, so they may have decided that Wendell pulling the raft was a better idea. Yeah, that's true. Probably better than Nick. Or maybe he was one of the jumpers. I don't remember. Um, I just remember who did the puzzle or more, more accurately did not do the puzzle. Yeah. Um, it was such a, it was so, such a crazy comeback. I, I can't even oh, believe yeah. that. I mean, and that's why so many of us thought, you know, it could be a throw. And the other thing was if that whole sequence of you know the the supposed threat alliance was taken out of order and the whole tribe knew tyson was going it actually would have made sense for them to throw to get rid of tyson before the swap absolutely it would have made total logical sense so i was prepared to come on this podcast and praise them for it mm-hmm. but then when toper luck found that screenshot of the of, of nick's tweet it was like, oh, well, I mean, Nick has no reason to lie. Right. If he's, you know, if he's going to say flat out, no, we did not throw it. I, I you know, I could, I, I can't imagine why he would say that if it's a lie. Yeah. So maybe he just doesn't want to get in trouble to, and admit that they did throw it. Well, then you don't respond like everybody else. I know. I so, know. But Nick, don't you remember Nick in pregame where everyone was, kind of hesitant to answer the question about pregame alliances and he was like absolutely i have i have a pregame alliance with you all (laughs) like he was so proud of it so maybe nick is just he just wants to put things out there i don't know yeah but i don't think he would put out a flat out lie i don't know that that does not seem like nick to me so if it disappeared too though well i think it disappeared because he shouldn't have put anything out there Mm. but you know plus he's admitting that he sucked yeah, you know, and I that's mean, that's true. the other thing. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, oh, yeah, I sucked at a puzzle that I had done once before. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with no, it wasn't a throw, even though it would have been smart to be a throw. For sure. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I, I'd say it's about time to wrap things up after going in circles on the throw or no throw. Uh, so what are your final thoughts? Well, Tyson obviously came into this game being a very well-rounded individual, as we've discussed, carrying with him a lot of threats. One thing that we failed to mention was that he has a pointy face and pointy face people are often villainous. And that was something that he discussed pregame. So we didn't talk about that at all. But I I have to mention it because I thought it was hysterical when I read it at the time. And uh, yeah, we got to see a little bit of Tyson being villainous. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to really run with that because he was fighting with another big villain and that was Sandra. Unfortunately for Tyson, he decided to go head to head with Sandra and found himself on the receiving end of getting voted out in part because he was dropping names. 
I do think that Tyson was someone who came into this game, unfortunately, with a huge target on his back because of Ewell's incredible research <laughs> before the game, calling him out on a poker alliance that could have been a thing, might not have been a thing, but clearly turned into a thing on the island. And unfortunately for Tyson, became part of the narrative that followed Tyson throughout the game. And part of that narrative was also Rob, who was on the other mat and all of this tribe was very nervous about the fact that if those two get together, they could wreak some serious havoc. And we need to make sure that we keep this facade, as Sophie called it, moving forward if we get into a swap. So great read by everybody who was on the tribe with him, knowing that a swap was looming, knowing that this decision would keep their cohesion together and would show them or would show them as a cohesive unit, I guess I should say. And going into a swap, great decision for all of them. Unfortunately for Tyson. That's one of the reasons why he had to go was because that swap was looming and because he is such a well-rounded player and came with him so many threats and people like Boston Rob who were associated with him as well. So that's my thoughts on Tyson. All right. Well, coming into the game, I knew Tyson would be seen as a huge threat and therefore a target, even if he didn't know that. If he'd been on Sele, it seems like the new schoolers would have kept him around as a shield. But on DeKal, the U Alliance wasn't thinking that way. I said in our preview podcast that Tyson would need to do something fast, and he was one of the players who said the game moves faster right from the get-go in a returnee season, meaning you have to hit the ground running and lock up your people quickly. Well, Ewell was the one who did exactly that, and he aimed them at Tyson. Tyson knows how to play this game quite well. He schemed and plotted. He tried to duck, dodge, and weave. He attempted to deflect. None of it worked. He was one of the players who came in with a target, and that target only got larger when Rob and Parvati stuck around on Sele while the swap started to loom large. Everybody else on Dakal could rally around a Tyson vote, just as they had done with the Amber vote before. It kept at least the illusion of unity, which they wanted with the impending swap, rather than pissing off a big chunk of the tribe right before a situation when they might need to rely upon each other. And it took out the guy they absolutely knew would flip to his pals on the other tribe. Sometimes in this game, you succumb to circumstances at least partially outside your control. Sometimes you just get outplayed. Tyson got hit with a double whammy. He was a threat coming in, and that threat level was inflated by Ewell for his own purposes, as Ewell bluffed about the poker alliance, and his tribe believed him. Tyson was unable to successfully counteract the attack. And that is why Tyson lost. Excellent. Sorry, Tyson. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Not so excellent for Tyson. It'll be fun to watch him on where? Edge of Extension. I know no, you're excited. Because that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't even try to get me started on that. Uh, I, you no, know. you said you weren't going to talk about yeah. it, but. That's right. That's right. So uh, before we get to our predictions, I want to remind everyone that the second printing of the poster is now available, uh, which covers all the rules we just talked about. So again, uh, you can write it down now, tinyurl.com slash davidrulesposter2. Also, another one to write down, go to robhasawebsite.com slash travel to take a look at all the available deals from Expedia, Hotels.com, and their associated companies. Uh, now, as far as predictions, mm. you, know that, you know that swap we've been talking about throughout this whole podcast? Yep. Well, it's happening. It is. Uh, with with 15 players left, it seems like they likely will, unfortunately, do three tribes of five. Um, I say unfortunately because it's just I don't know why they do that. I don't like it. You have too much to follow or too much that isn't shown, especially with another tribe of five somewhere else that they spend 20 percent of the damn show on. Um, but that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know. For prediction purposes, the only thing we know is that Michelle and Wendell will be on a tribe together since the preview indicated her talking about being on the same island with her Mm -hmm. ex-boyfriend. Now, actually, I forgot we're recording a day early. Uh, I forgot to check to see if there had been any uh, additional previews uploaded to CBS All Access today. So I may have missed something, but whatever they are, probably not going to be very helpful. yeah, so we don't have much to go on, except that almost everything will depend on how the numbers shake out at the swap. Uh, as just one example, if Rob ends up with a bunch of original to call, 
he's doomed. They don't want to keep around the big people to to uh, align with. But if he ends up with Parvati, Ben, and Jeremy, he's in a great position. Uh, the same can be said about many of the players. So here's my thinking. A, a situation like this can put someone like Sandra in the biggest danger. You know, indeed, that's essentially what happened to her last time after one of these swaps. It would suck for that to happen, but we have so little to go on. I'm just going to make it my prediction. Wow. Sandra. Mm, that's painful. Ah. From here on out, they're all painful pretty well, much. They, so, you know. All of this is painful. It definitely yes. is. It's such a great, great cast. And, you know, it's interesting because she did mention how much she hates Edge of Extinction. <laughs> so I feel like there's there's an inkling that she's going to be there. But that wasn't necessarily where my mind went when I was thinking about the swap and what's happening because we really don't have very much to go on, right? We really, really don't besides what you said with Wendell and Michelle. And I didn't see any additional previews that were posted today when I was on there. So again, if we look at what we do know and we look at who we know are like the groupings and the pairs of people, I have a tendency to look at those people that are on the outs and there's one person, and I hate to say this, I don't want to say this, but someone who seems to be on his own right now, and that's Adam. Mm, yeah. You know, and, and that and Adam could be someone that people will utilize as a vote, or it might just be an easy vote to say, you know what, he's kind of, he's being weaselly and he's playing both sides, so let's just get rid of him. He might just be an easy person to to point to and say, oh, we got to get rid of that guy, especially since what we saw Rob do in the last episode when Rob made up the whole story that Adam is still playing both sides. So he was like, he had saved himself and Jeremy was fine with it. And then Rob planted that seed again. And then Jeremy wasn't fine with it. So I just feel like Adam is in a, is in a very tough spot that he's going to need to be saved and it's not going to happen because he's going to end up with the wrong people. Well, the funny thing is that after Speaking my prediction out loud and listening to yours, I disagree with both of them. I disagree with my own prediction and I disagree with yours. Okay. Because, what are you doing now? Well, I'm, I, I mean, I already said it, so it has to stay. But it occurs to me that if Sandra gets swap screwed, she's going to be swap screwed with the people from Sele who like to keep big threats around. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's her and one other person from her tribe. They may keep her. The Sele people may keep her. Um, so yeah, so the only way she gets totally is if she gets totally swap screwed and is there by herself with only Sele people, which is still possible, I guess. Um, so, you know, like, you know, like I said, I don't really like it. It's a possibility. Adam, however, I think is in a actually pretty good spot because he's on the bottom. He knows he's on the bottom. Mm-hmm. If if he gets swapped into a situation where Sele is in the minority, he runs over to Dakal oh, for and sure. says, hey, here's everything. Right. Right. And even if it's a three, two with like, let's say it's him. Well, if it's him, Rob and Parvati, we know what happened. Yeah. But if it's him, Rob and Jeremy, I still think. He's finding his Jessica on the other side and flipping just like he did to you. Right. When the millennials had the, 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 the majority. And I don't disagree that he could end up doing that, but I also feel like he is the only person right now with the limited amount of information we have going into this, who has been called out on playing both sides has been called a weasel and people are, you know, sick of him and, and I I'm done with him. And he's, he's frustrated. I think the most people at this point. And so I'm curious if this swap will almost be handled very similarly to the first vote where, well, we all have to agree on someone and it might be easier to agree on someone that you don't necessarily trust because they're playing both sides and you think is kind of weaselly as opposed to utilizing that person. However, he could very well do just what you've said 
and find himself in a situation where he is going to give the majority to the other side because he's going to jump ship and join them. So if that's what happens, then I I can totally see that happening because I do think he's like, it's a cry for help right now by Adam. But that's why I, and I hate to even say that because I don't want Adam to get voted out. I hope I'm wrong. And I'm always wrong, Adam. So you'll be fine. I was, Except for, you know, this week. Yeah, it was right this week. But but that's the only thing that I, I, that kept kind of resonating in my mind when I was thinking about the various computations and where people could end up. And he's the only one that really seems to have like genuinely upset people for how he's playing the game. Okay. All right. Well, I don't like either of our. No, I don't like so, it. I don't like it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As we wrap up, I want to encourage people to check out the RHAP patron program at Rob has slash patron. I keep saying there's no better time to sign up than right now. And, you know, basically I'm just echoing what, what Rob is saying too. Uh, you know, Rob started a new patron only show the hour before each episode of Survivor. He already was doing at least five patron only call in shows a month, plus the weekly Q&A show with Nicole. And of course, patrons get discounts and first access to live show tickets. Uh, also, there is, of course, the Facebook groups where you'll find a great community of people you can talk to about Survivor, Big Brother, etc. Uh, if you're a Canadian Big Brother fan, they've got that going on right now. Uh, so that's a big topic of discussion. And, uh, of course, both of us are in the Facebook group, not not the Canadian Big Brother one, but, you know, uh, other ones, even though you're fairly close to Canada up there. That is true. Uh, yeah. Remember to go to robhasawebsite.com slash patron. And once you get to the Facebook groups, make sure to say hello. Yes, there are so many great individuals that you can chat to in those or chat with in those groups. And unfortunately, I should be in there more often, but... You can definitely go in there to say hi, or you can say hi to me on Twitter, as you can say hi to David Bloomberg on Twitter. I am at JessicaLewis89. David is at David Bloomberg, and you should follow both of us to get both sides of the conversation. Also, we both live tweet during the episodes, and then we post throughout the week just our various thoughts about life and things. So you should definitely follow us both at JessicaLewis89 or at David Bloomberg. Yes, and if you had seen me live tweeting, you would know what my thoughts were about the uh, the uh, edge of extinction stuff that we saw. I know. So, Everybody, um, listen, so, we got it. We got to just no, say I'm this. Not, nope, nope, nope. I'm not. You're nope, not even no going to let no me more. do it? N- nope, nope, nope. You'll get me started. Ugh, you'll you'll right, get me started. Fine. <laughs> Go to Twitter. <laughs> uh, and speaking of Twitter, we need a hashtag. Mm. Mm, I have no idea. I don't know either. I mean, did he say anything that was, yeah, I'm sure he said something that was very funny, but he's Tyson. That's what he does. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's, it's gotta be maybe something about the swap, like hashtag prepare to swap. (laughs) Well, I think someone, I I saw someone uh, talking about, is this the first time someone's been swap screwed before the swap even occurred? So, so it's kind of a reverse uh, swap screw. Well, I'd say it's like a future swap screwed. Okay. Because it was going to happen already. Uh, So, so yeah, why don't we uh, go with that? Future swap screwed. Good. It would have been funnier if we had thought about that earlier in the podcast. Right? Instead of that downtime, people are like, what is yeah. happening this week? <laughs> yes. So Go back to video. Course, it's a, more entertaining. Right. Yeah. Well, then they'd have gotten to see us sitting here thinking instead of just hear us. That's true. Um, so uh, then, of course, there's a hashtag for this podcast overall, which is YXLost. Uh, make sure that uh, everyone listening, you should be subscribed to all of the RJP Survivor podcasts at robhasapodcast.com slash survivor or just do it on your favorite podcatcher we are also on the reality tv wrap ups feed and so you can subscribe to that one as well in both places you can find great content like the know-it-alls the wiggle room the rjp and b this week in survivor and much more yes and we should also say thank you to scott st pierre who does all of the editing on why blank lost podcast and also thanks to will from america for the incredible theme song and thank you to you david for being my podcasting partner and trying to follow me on that rule three. I know it was a little bit tough and you're probably still scratching your head, but in my brain, it really does make sense. I promise you. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to get the paper out and, you know, uh, just draw and graph this all out. But, uh, (laughs) but yes, 
And uh, thank you, of course, Jessica, for another great week. Uh, even though we didn't, you know, have all the anything uh, special bells and whistles, but hey, any week is a great week, right? That's true. That is true. I mean, not that it was great to see Tyson go, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, it's sad to see Tyson go, but it was a good move. It was certainly a good move for everyone else who's still in the game, obviously. And we will get to see yep. some of his antics on your favorite place, the Edge of Extinction. So we'll see no, how that I goes. I close my eyes so I won't even be able to see that. <laughs> Did you see his comment, though, when he walked no. in? Come oh, on! Yes. That was funny. Yes. Okay, I will give that. That was funny. Yes, he commented on how much firewood yes. they had. <laughs> Yes. That's incredible. That yes, was amazing. That, uh, one moment. That's it. One moment. Just one moment. Now, you gave me that one. So. Yes. All right. Uh, so, everybody, we will be back once again in one week talking about probably anyone except Sandra or Adam. Yay! See you then. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You lost Survivor and you're feeling down. David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how You played yourself and got voted out This is why Blank lost And this is why Blank lost Oh baby, this is why Blank lost Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.